When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is the Monday Madness edition. The post college football playoff rankings edition was yesterday, but I think there was always going to be a lot to talk about in the wake of that. I'm here with Doug Lee Maurice. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. And we needed something to kind of like really kind of bring, I think, this week together from the start something to kind of galvanize um and get things started and wouldn't you know it Dabo Swinney stepped up the Clemson coach it was revealed this morning ranked Ohio State 11th on his USA Today coaches poll ballot that's a full five spots below where anyone else had Ohio State one day after talking about how much respect he had for Ohio State and Ryan Day and all those things and then uh that's on Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, he ranks Ohio state one spot behind coastal Carolina. I just thought that that was, that was just delicious. That was like the Italian chef, like kissing his finger, like, Mwah. that was like, here we go. That's it. It's bull season. He is a weasel with principles. I think. Yeah. Which I, I respect this because I will say like Brian Kelly um, from Notre Dame was on, ESPN and I think at very t- various times has sort of complained about teams not playing enough games also. Um, but like he didn't back it up on his ballot. I'll, I'll look it up here. I mean, it's just stunning. Seven coaches had him number two, Ohio state that is 38 had him number three, eight had him number four, six had him number five, including Nick Saban. Kirby smart from Georgia had him number six and Dabo had him 11th. So I hate bulletin board material stuff, and I just wrote a column about this that I put up right before we came on. Brian Kelly, who also complained about teams that didn't play enough games, had Ohio State fourth. So, like, Brian Kelly complained about it and then didn't back it up with his vote. Dabo backed it up. This is the greatest example of actual bulletin board material I've ever heard of. I think bulletin board material, a lot of times it's media misinterpreting what players say. It's media asking leading questions and boxing it not boxing players, boxing players into a corner, right, where they accidentally, you know, I mean, people will ask a player, like, do you guarantee that your team's going to beat your opponent? And then the guy's like, well, what am I going to, am I not going to believe in? And then that happens sometimes. So I think a lot of it is overblown 
dumb media stuff sometimes. This is real. He wrote it down or put it in an email or, or set it in somehow. He can't get away from this. This is what he thinks. And I think he went too far. This hurts his team. If I, whatever percent chance I think Ohio State has to win this game, it just went up like eight percentage points. If I thought Ohio State had a 39% chance to win, now I think it's 47. If I thought they had a 45% chance to win, now I think it's 53. If I thought it was 32, now I think it's 40. This is real. I, and I can't believe he did it. It's bad for his team because it's such an outlier, and I'm an outlier voter. My history as an AP voter is I was a huge outlier. So I respect being an outlier. But all I was risking was people thinking I was an idiot. This is a side thing for him. His first job is to coach his team. And this just made his team's job harder. And I, I, I actually respect the principle. I cannot believe he did it. He has them not only behind Coastal Carolina, but three loss, non-Big 12 champ, Iowa State. I, like, I can't – and we know what it is. It's he didn't play enough games. He has all the Big 10 teams low. So we understand. We get what it is. That's very clear. I still cannot believe he did it. And as I wrote in my column, Urban Meyer, famously before the 2006 national title game, everybody knows this, made up fake stuff, made up fake quotes about Florida to, like, try to motivate his team. And you're shaking your head. Guess what? Florida won. So, like, you can shake your head. They kicked Ohio State's butt. They came out on fire. I just – but it's fine. It's fine. You think it doesn't work or you think it's stupid? Oh, no, I think it, it might work. I just think it's like I, – I, You think whatever. it's what? I think it's kind of silly. But, it, but his team won the national title. Okay. He's a, he's a ma- Urban is a master motivator. I mean, like, you know, you could say it's whatever. So I said if Ryan Day had made up a fake ballot, for Dabo Swinney is like, hey, guys, how low do you think we could put ourselves on Dabo's fake ballot where the guys would still buy it but be motivated by it? And, like, Quinn Temple and Brian Voltolini and Jerry Emig would have been like, I, I don't think you can go lower than, like, eight, maybe nine. He's like, what if we said – I don't know. What if I said he voted us 11? They'd be like, nobody would believe that. He's like, what if I put us behind Coastal Carolina? It's like, no. Everybody will know that's fake, Ryan. That will not work as motivation. It's real. They don't have to fake a thing. It's I think you, real. I think you'd put them nine in, – in your example, I think you would put them nine, like right behind eight no Cincinnati. Right. Like, hey, Clemson nine thinks we're the second-best team in Ohio. It's like Clemson thinks you're like the <laughs> – you're the second-best team in the Sun Belt. Like, I can't – I can't believe it. And maybe it doesn't matter. I mean, because, I, you know, again, you know, let's play a football game. But, like – this is the story. I mean, it's like you're looking for the thing. Like, what's the story of the game? And I hate fake bulletin board crap. This is real bulletin board stuff. And it's – I thought it was interesting. You think every coach – this isn't the first coach's poll where there have been, like, some agendas mixed into this, right? And I think those even those coaches, though, who were voting Ohio State fifth and sixth, I thought those alone were evidence of some people who were probably dinging them for having only played six games. And, and, and I'm not usually one who ever gets too worked up by one outlier vote in a poll because that's the whole point of the poll. That's why they have 60 of us do the AP poll, 62. So they have 61 coaches do this. It's So you get a broad consensus. And so any one vote doesn't skew the things, which is why Ohio State's still number three in this coach's poll. Um, 
But if, if, if you look at, like, coaches who would have had – like Jimbo Fisher still voted Ohio State fifth. I mean, right behind his own or his own team third, Notre right. Dame fourth. It's a Texas A&M coach, Ohio State fifth. So that would have been an example of like, okay, th- that one I understand. You're kind of making the case of, of, of why you should have been a playoff team. I, I don't agree with it, but I, I understood it. And I can, I, can, I can almost get with putting Ohio State in that 5-6 range in some people's minds. I see where they get it. 11th is indefensible. It's just indefensible. So there's I – mean, I mean, if you go, I, I, your point to agendas is exactly right. And if you go through and look for the non-Power 5 coaches, a lot of those coaches, they had Cincinnati higher, right? If you go, who had the, who had the I didn't add all these up, but that's the non-Power 5 coaches had Cincinnati higher, had Ohio State lower. You can see the agendas at work. You can see the SEC agendas at work. That, that you account for. That's why you spread it out. But as you said, 11th is indefensible. God, he's a weasel. He's such a freaking weasel. He's such a, I like, on, on one hand, I just, I just, I can't, I, I, I mean, I have to be honest. I love it. I mean, God bless weasels. We need weasels in the world. You can't just have a whole world of chickens and then what's like a good animal. So the chickens, the chickens lay the eggs and then the chickens get murdered for nuggets but also like a good animal, like dogs. You can't just have chickens and dogs because everybody loves dogs and everybody thinks chickens are delicious. You need somebody who's going to steal a chicken. So, I, I mean, if we were lived in a world of non-chicken stealers, what a boring world it would be. It's why I'm so excited to have Brett Bielema in the Big Ten. But I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. It's detrimental. That's what I can't believe. Voters are dumb. Buckeye talk. We, that's all we talk about. Nathan, you're dumb. When I voted, I was dumb. Every coach who votes, dumb. The playoff committee, pretty dumb. The only thing for the playoff committee is they're slightly less dumb than everybody else. Nobody in the history of the world has ever cast a good vote about college football. Dumb, dumb, dumb. But the whole point about it is it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what Nathan Baird thinks. Nobody cares what the Southern Miss coach thinks. Nobody cares what I think. You care what the playoff committee thinks. Those 13 people matter. And this matters. This, he voted, it wasn't even like, I mean, Kirby Smart had him six, as you noted in your story, which is second lowest. If Kirby, Smith, if Kirby Smart had him 11th, it'd be like a glancing blow, but Kirby Smart knows he's not playing Ohio State. I don't know exactly when this vote was cast. I don't know if it was cast before the playoff announcement or after, but it doesn't matter because he knew he was probably playing Ohio State. Yeah, exactly and he what did I was going to say. He did it. Anyway, the and it's public. and you know, and it's public. This is always they always make these votes public at this time of year. Yes. So it's he knew this was coming, and 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 I think you're right. He's say everything you want about Dabo Swinney. He's not stupid. He's not he's not stupid, and he's not. I don't think unaware of of the repercussions of this. And I thought it was interesting that this all happens within like 12 hours of this video getting out on social media last night of Ryan Day uh, dropping F-bombs about all the teams they're going to beat in the postseason. I don't know if people saw this on social media. We didn't end up – I didn't know how to post about it on a family-friendly website. I mean, it's – it's um, it, 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 he drops a couple F-bombs. He's, he's just riling his team up after the Big Ten Championship game. Um, apparently, some player took a clip of this video. Not and it got some player. Media. Not stop. What are you talking about? Some player. It was Demario. 
I didn't see. I didn't see who it was. <laughs> Demario. Oh my! My Twitter timeline is like, Doug. What has Demario done? Oh my God, <laughs> well, Doug. They're, they're gonna come what, to you directly with that. Yeah. My texters are like, Doug, get your guy. What's happening? No, Demario like live live streamed live stream Ryan Day in the locker room after the Big Ten Championship game. It it, it seemed unlikely to have been an improbable. Just because of how much it was, like that exact moment, like the chances of you getting them at like the start of that sentence and then right at the end of that sentence or two sentences or whatever it was seems unlikely. Like, uh, so, uh, but anyway, I just thought, like, so when that goes out there, I'm like, oh, well, the, there's, there's your bulletin board material for Clemson. They're saying, but then now but that's fake, but that's right. fake because all that is is what every coach in America says in his team in a private setting after every game. That's fake bull crap bulletin board stuff. And that, that's the kind of stuff I hate. Like, oh, Clemson's motivated because Ryan Day said Ohio State's going to kick their effing butt. I mean, of course he did. It's a private locker room thing. That's, that's nothing. I'm fine with us not posting that. It's a fun little – I get it. It's fun for fans. It's nothing. That's plus stupid. He, plus, he wasn't really even talking about Clemson specifically. He was talking yeah, about yeah. whoever we're going to play, we, we, we'll take on any team one game, and we'll beat them. That's paraphrasing. He hey, said but he said all three teams' names. He said Notre Dame, he, he Alabama, Clemson. But, but he, knew that, he knew who they might possibly play. That was the only course, really three that's teams. what so, coaches say in a private right. setting. That's what coaches say. That is a great example of, of bull crap bulletin board stuff that if people are like oh look at that i mean it's like shut it's silly that is silly that embarrasses me that people think that's it's fun for fans that doesn't embarrass me and i liked everybody saying doug come get your guy but in terms of like actual stuff that's what everybody does this is different this is different and by the way damari mccall welcome to the scout team can't be doing that stuff. i mean my god that's the outcome we'll, of that is, is we'll, mario enjoy being travis etn for the yeah. next 12 days because you're not getting a snap with the first team for the next Who's, bowl prep. Who, who returns kicks in the Sugar Bowl now? Anybody who did not do a live IG <laughs> of the locker room speech. Let's have a Dewan list. Juan Jones, kick return. So, I mean, you can't do it. You just it's not, He's not the first guy to do it. He's not the first guy to do it. But I get that's a violation. I mean, it's a violation of the inner sanctum. I mean, you can't. You know, we love it. Fans love it. You can't. I mean, you can't do it tomorrow. I mean, you can't do it tomorrow. I'm sure Demario is listening, and I'm sure he'll take that to heart. Uh, th- this this kind of local uh, controversy, for lack of a better term, uh, kind of sneaks in this morning in the in in the middle of a, a larger controversy. We didn't get into this too much yesterday. Um, we talked a little bit about what you know how some of the final rankings looked. We talked specifically about, I guess, Cincinnati. We talked about Indiana and in passing. There's just a lot of and you have a better perspective than me on this. Last year, I was so focused on just the Ohio State side of things and whether they'd be one or two and what that meant. Um, you've been around it much longer as far as following farther down into the college football playoff rankings, whether Ohio State was going to be even in the top four or whether uh, they were what bowl they were going to other than that. Um, a lot of just consternation this year about how this all turned out. I felt like there's been more sympathy for group of five teams, probably because you're getting multiple group of five teams to the end of this abbreviated season with undefeated records who are still getting pushed farther back into the top 10 or beyond. So they're not even in a, a scenario where teams, you know, group of five teams might go undefeated and it's still not even be able to make a top an 18 playoff, that kind of thing. Um, there's people who are really disturbed by a season like what Indiana had and how that seems to still get um, short shrift from the committee. We can talk specifically about, whether or not we think that's fair. But I guess just are you feeling more um, angst 
this year than usual. There, I think there always is some. I think people always have complaints. There's people who always don't like the system. But are you hearing, feeling more angst this year about whether it's time to come up with something new, that, that some substantial systemic changes need to be made? It feels like the final vote for Cincinnati at, as we discussed, eight. Not that they didn't make it, but that they were behind Texas A&M, Oklahoma, and Florida. I feels like a little bit of a thing. And as people have made the point, Ralph Russo from the AP, who I just think gives a good sense of this because he's not sensationalistic, and, but he's smart and he analyzes things, sort of said, like, this is how stuff changes. When, like, a lot of people complain, you can brush it off as like, ah, people just whining. But when enough people think, like, the system's not working anymore, that's how you get changed. That's how we got the BCS eventually to change. And it's not that the media or the fans change it, but if the media and the fans react in a certain way and you kind of get a vibe like this is not working – then the power brokers might adjust to that. They might either think, well, we're not pleasing our fans, and that's a problem. We're not pleasing our teams, our members, that's a problem. Or they just figure it out themselves and they agree with it. So the idea that you're piling up the objections and that the size of that pile matters, I believe that I get, that I get. I think the objections themselves, a lot of them are bad and ill-defined and that's what i would like to talk about because i'm not exactly sure what people are complaining about because it might be one thing but if it's the other thing then you're not talking it's part of the issue is are you talking about the way the playoff is chosen or are you talking about the way college football operates as a whole and the playoff all it does no matter how you choose the teams all it does is reflect the reality of college football. So if you're complaining about the playoff, that's one thing. But I actually think what people are complaining about is what college football has become top-heavy. Maybe they believe the playoff is contributing to that, and therefore changing the playoff can alleviate that. But I have read a couple things in the last couple of days that I feel like are very surface-level, unnuanced, like, it's not fair. The good teams are the same all the time. It's like, well, what, what are you actually saying? So that's what I would like to discuss. I'm curious where you are on that. Well, and that's kind of what I've been bouncing around in my head um, here since yesterday, too, is that it's not it, – it is two different things. I mean, here's, here's a good example. You know, Indiana and uh, Indiana fans, Indiana media are really ticked off this morning. They didn't get a New Year's Six Bowl because they ended up only being ranked 11th in the, the final college football playoff rankings. And then on top of that, they didn't even get the best bowl that they could have gotten from the Big Ten structure because Northwestern got picked to go to the Citrus Bowl ahead of them. So they got to go to the Outback Bowl. And those two things, is it's one big complaint, but it's really two completely separate things, right? One is the subjective opinion of these 13 people in a room and how they ranked Indiana. And then the other one is um, it goes into the whole concept of bowl structure and how conferences are affiliated and tied in with that. And then that trickles down to a lot of the other complaints that people are seeing, you know, the army example from this weekend where they were nine and two and don't get to go to a bowl game because there were um, so many opt outs. And then, but then you get to see two and eight teams and three and seven teams go to bowl games, the, those sorts of things. I, I feel like the, there's just a lot across the board. There's, it's a lot of complaints and they aren't specific to any one thing. But I think you're right. I think there's there's this um, 
like I said, angst earlier. I, I think people are, are always kind of jaded about this. We've seen this crop up in a lot of the conversation around Ohio State here just in the past two weeks, the various rule changes that have happened. People think that like the rich just keep getting richer and people are like feeding them this easy path and, um, and that this structure is all set up just to benefit uh, Oklahoma at all expenses or, or, or Iowa State at all expense over somebody else. But I don't really, I don't, I don't believe that. And I think when you, when you break down farther into the numbers, when you, in comparing those teams, and if you're trying to find the best team to go to the playoff, for instance, the result still ends up being, um, it, it's, it's logical to me. So I don't know what people, I don't know what people want to change as far as how we pick those teams. And I don't know how people feel like they're going to solve this problem farther down. Because it's always been about money. The Bulls have always been about money. These Bulls don't mean anything. The Foster Farms Bowl doesn't mean anything. The Little Seizures Bowl, the Motor City Bowl, these things don't mean anything. They're just for money. And that's all they're about. Yeah. So, as you said, so if, if, if Indiana wanted to go to the Citrus Bowl instead of Northwestern, I'll hear that. But again, that's not really the point. We're not really having a Citrus Bowl fight as the primary fight. So, the thing that we need to clear up that I was confused about, and someone, people have pointed it out, and it's correct, and we need to establish this. So in Indiana, in the end, was the last was the the first team out of the New Year's Six Bowls, because as we know, the way the New Year's so so the five conference champs are guaranteed a spot either in the playoff or a New Year's Six Bowl. So and again, everybody understands this. There's the six bowls that rotate between being the semifinals. Two of them are a semifinal. The other four are the next best bowls. Cotton Fiesta. Rose, sugar, orange, and peach. So there's 12 spots every year. And six of those spots are guaranteed. It's the five conference champs and the best non-power five team, right? So we established that. Yep. And, and so then beyond that, there's six guaranteed. And then the rest are like wild card spots, right? So I'm going to confuse myself doing this. So this year, you wound up with four. Oh, and it's confusing. And there are also tie-ins to individual bowls. Right. That where, yeah. where Indiana really got screwed is that Indiana was ranked ahead of North Carolina, but the Orange Bowl has an ACC tie-in. So the fact that two ACC teams this year, made Notre Dame being considered an ACC team, made the playoff – shoved out made that made it that the third best ACC team is now has to go to the orange bowl, just like there's the Rose bowl tie in for the big 10. So that's where they got screwed. So and, there and was, just, and just to quickly interject though, when you say Indiana got screwed there, we can probably find a year in the past where an ACC team got screwed on another bowl because of a big 10 tie in. This is just the structure. Yes. This, correct. this is what bowl, this is what bowls are. And the, so the bottom line is, the wild card teams, then you do get in as wild card teams. If you're if you're not a conference champ and you're not tied into a bowl, and I think this is some of these. Well, yeah, this is right. Texas A and M at number five is like a wild card team. Florida at number seven is a wild card team. Georgia at number nine is a wild card team, and Iowa State at number ten is a wild card team. So Indiana is eleventh. So if Indiana would have been ranked ahead of, Ohio, of Iowa State, they would have gotten in a New Year's Six Bowl. So three lost Iowa State that lost the Big 12 championship game to Oklahoma got in ahead of Indiana. And the SEC 
got four teams in New Year's Six Bowls. Alabama's in the playoff, and then Texas A&M, Florida, and Georgia got in. Now, in the old days in the BCS, there was a limit on how many teams from a conference could get in, and they spread it out a little bit more. So they took away that conference limit to say, we can't, we can't have just all from the same conference. They took that away, and then Iowa State was voted ahead of Indiana. So that's really Indiana's complaint is maybe the playoff committee is too tilted toward the SEC and specifically, we feel like we should have been ranked ahead of Iowa State. I think those are their two biggest things. And I do think if Indiana had played on either of the last two weekends of the year, they might have been ahead of Iowa State. I think the fact that right. Indiana had to cancel the last game of the regular season against Purdue, and then they tried to reschedule it, and they had to cancel it again on championship weekend. If they would have played one of those, I think that hurt them. Now, that's not fair. That's coronavirus stuff. But – if their if their complaint is with like the system, I think the system is maybe we should go back to a limit on how many teams from a conference can get in because why we're in a world where one Big Ten team got in a New Year's Six Bowl and four SEC teams got in. Is that really reflective of where everybody wants to be? And then the individual judgment of Iowa State versus Indiana, but it's not Texas, it's not Oklahoma State. Like Iowa State is the Indiana of the Big Twelve. So it's not like some rep. It's not Iowa State didn't get in on reputation. Iowa State got in with three losses because they made the conference championship game. I guess I don't know. I mean, well, I, I don't know exactly why they voted that. You could argue with the vote, but Indiana is not really arguing with the vote. Indiana is arguing the world is out to get us, right? Yes. That's what they argued, and I don't. I'm not sure exactly what the specifics of what that complaint would be. As I wrote today in Madness, there's this sense out there that the Big Ten keeps moving the goalposts on Indiana, and I don't believe that that's true. Now, I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? That, that you know, they finally get to a year where they play right there with Ohio State, and they beat Penn State, and they beat Michigan, and it's still not enough to get completely shoved aside, not just by the playoff, but also even by the Big Ten to some extent. I don't know what the decision process is between Northwestern and Indiana. Um on, on who got to go to the better bowl. I don't know. I, 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 but I think that there are things like the fact that Northwestern's historically been better, the fact that they're in Chicago. I think those things probably play into it. Absolutely. So, so I think that's where I think Indiana fans, and then you can even go back to some of the things. It's been a slow build to kind of the, the, the angst that they have this season. But I, I, this, I, Indiana has not beat a team that finished the year with a winning record since September of 2018. Like, that's kind of staggering when you stop and think about it. All the success that they've had these last two years has been built on beating losing teams. And I think that's absolutely something that's playing into why they only ended up being 11th in the college football playoff ranking. You know, the, the, the playoff looks at a lot of the same objective data that I use to come up with my poll each week, and, and mine actually tends to mirror what the, the committee does a lot. Indiana didn't beat anybody this year. And Iowa State, Florida, they all beat – other good teams. I know that lo people say that losses are supposed to mean something. That's the other complaint that IU fans have right now, that Ohio State is getting credit for having a good win by beating Indiana, and Indiana is getting no credit for the loss. And my point is they're getting as much credit for a loss as a loss should give you. You've got to actually then go win something. So I had, I had Indiana sixth on my AP ballot. If I had been in that room, I would have been arguing for Indiana to be higher, but I can't sit here and say that they got like, some kind of great travesty to be where they were. So it feels like part of – so Indiana uh, – I wouldn't want to spend too much time on Indiana. I think the bigger picture is, is more important, and we want to get to that. Yes. Specifically, specifically on Indiana, 
Former athletic director Fred Glass was, was talked to the Indianapolis Star and explained he thought Indiana got screwed here. And I do think part of – it felt like part of the conversation is that the Big Ten didn't fight for Indiana. And you also wrote about Kevin Warren today. So two things on that. One is Gary Barta, who was the spokesman for the committee, is the representative for the Big Ten in the room. He's the Iowa AD. And I don't know how things went in there, but Gary Barta, because I think you're supposed to be unbiased, but I also think it's okay to fight for your conference because the whole point is they have an active AD from every Power Five conference. If you didn't think there was going to be some inherent bias representing your conference, you wouldn't make sure that it was all equal. You're assuming there's bias. Gary Barta at Iowa didn't win the fight, didn't persuade people that Indiana was better than Iowa State. Maybe he did a poor job. Maybe the data points were just in Iowa State's favor, whatever. It didn't happen. The other part of this is, as, as I, has been pointed out to me, and I think is a very good point, Kevin Warren is not a fighter yet. He is not like Ryan Day. It's not only up to Ryan Day to go out there and say, hey, I think we did. Jim Delaney would have been out front publicly saying anybody who thinks that the the big 10 should be penalized for caution and safety and putting their players first in a pandemic is crazy. We played great football and we put our players first. This is outrageous that any coach in this country. And if any big 10 team is penalized by any ranking body, because we didn't play enough games in a pandemic, you have lost every moral principle in your being. You do not understand how difficult this has been. This is, dis- this is unconscionable, the things that are being said about the Big Ten. And I'm not going to let anybody say that about this conference that tried to do everything right and these players did nothing wrong. And you're going to penalize them because you didn't think nobody's saying that. Like, what, do you, why, why is Kevin Warren not planting seeds along the way here that would filter in? To, it's just part of the discourse. The discourse is happening. You've got to stand up for your league. And Jim Delaney would do that. And Kevin Warren, maybe it's because it's year one. Maybe it's part of his personality. Like, didn't say a word, a word about anything like that. I and I don't want to get completely sidetracked on this, but I can tell you exactly what he said because I asked him about his voice. I talked to him twice this weekend, actually, um, and and he he did you know he uh, he thanked me for the opportunity to to speak up and say his piece about why he thought Ohio State should be um, uh, definitely a playoff team or why they shouldn't certainly be penalized for the lack of games. Um, but here, here was this quote because I was asking him about you know having that voice and he was talking about how you know everyone does their job differently and um, everybody has kind of a different approach and his quote was it's not about me it's not about me to be seen and see my name in print and get my voice out there my job is to make sure I do everything possible that I can to protect the Big Ten Conference and make it grow and become better and that's my focus it hasn't been about me and it, I, I actually that's basically the end of the quote um, and I I, I I think I see what he wants to say there. And I think there's some, there's something to be said for you have to kind of, there's a gravitas you have to maybe build in order to use that voice the most effectively. I don't know what Jim Delaney's voice in his 20, whatever year as commissioner would be different than it was in his first year. But I, 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 I disagree with him that he doesn't need to be out there more and be more vocal. And I, and, 
I think Indiana fans would certainly argue that this is one example where it needed to be. People people within the conference think he needs to just be more vocal with them, but he also needs to be more vocal at a national level. And and this is these interviews he was doing with me and other people, this was a step in that direction. Um, it's kind of a late step in that direction, and he apologized for that to the people that he talked to this weekend. I think they want to repair that. They have people behind the scenes that are helping repair that. But that's a big obstacle. Like once we get through this next month and, and the virus hopefully starts getting – taken care of and we can start getting back to something normal as big 10 sports go he's got to be more engaged and this is another example of that yeah if you don't think there's a public component of being the big 10 commissioner you don't understand the job and and this northwestern ad jim phillips is going to go be the acc commissioner and i bet he's going to be public and he's going to fight for his league and that's the guy i mean the big 10 could have hired him i think a lot of people think that thought the big 10 was going to hire him and they hired Kevin Warren instead. You have to understand the public component of this. And the idea that he's saying it's not about me. No, it's not about you. It's, it's about you fighting for your league. A league is not a living thing. So it needs people to speak on behalf of it. So, like, if you're waiting, it's like, no, it's not Kevin Warren thinks this. It's Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren thinks this on behalf of the Big Ten. That is absolutely a part of it i swear to i mean i honestly i mean like we should be hired by what is that somebody is not advising him correctly i don't know what the deal is he is not getting the right advice somebody needs to go in there and explain to him how this works i don't think he has bad intentions but i don't think he's grasping everything i think he was knocked back on his heels and i've talked to him too i think he was knocked back on his heels a little bit by the way things unfolded and he did i mean it's the craziest first year you could ever ask for and, I have, and, I have real, I have, and I don't care what people. I have legitimate empathy for the situation that got dropped in his lap, but to some extent, it was dropped in all of our laps. To some extent, it's a global. Pandemic. We don't have, we don't, I to don't have, every I don't have decision making responsibilities in a wide way that he does in his job. So that's what's different about it. But yes, we all, we all got stuck with this. Yeah. So you got to do better. And so I do think like he's okay. It's like when he he's getting ripped. So when you get ripped all the time, then you probably don't want to come out and be as forward facing, but you got, I mean, you can't let that, you can't let that hold you back. And I do feel like the big 10 has been obviously, I mean, this is every, it's been affected by the fact that they have a new commissioner, regardless, a new commissioner, instead of the mo, one of the most powerful people in college football, right. who's done it for two, two decades, of course, that's going to be different, but he better understand very quickly. There's a public part of this job. The Indiana complaints, I think it's okay to let them complain. Sometimes as a parent, you have to understand this. Sometimes as a spouse, Nathan, you are you starting to understand this? Sometimes somebody just wants to complain. As a podcast colleague, are you understanding this? Sometimes somebody just wants to rant. And you don't have to tell them they're right or they're wrong. So let Indiana rant. I get it. Indiana's upset. There were like three or four different things that conspired. One of the things that conspired is the Rose Bowl is a semifinal. So normally the Rose Bowl would have the Big Ten tie-in and Ohio State's in the playoffs. So a Big Ten team would go to the Rose Bowl and that would have gone to the second Big Ten team in the playoff rankings, which is Indiana. If the Rose Bowl wasn't a semifinal this year, Indiana would be in the Rose Bowl. Just like North Carolina, which is ranked lower than Indiana, is in the Orange Bowl. Because of the tie-in. So that's not anybody's fault other than the way this was set up. And if you think that should be fixed, then okay. But it's not a conspiracy. It's the no. way it works. 
there was some bad luck this year. There was that bad luck, and there was the bad luck that this was a year where Indiana had a team that could beat Penn State and Michigan in a lot of years, and they just happened to be the year where you don't get any credit for beating Penn State and Michigan. Like, that's just – it's bad luck. I don't know how to, else to say it. Bad luck. If Indiana had beaten Penn State and Penn State had won every other game except the Indiana game and the Ohio State game, Indiana would be ranked ahead of Iowa State, and they would have gotten in. Additional bad luck, if, if Indiana had not had um, its own outbreak in these last two weeks when Purdue had outbreaks, it would have gotten another game, possibly even a better game to better make its point to get into a higher spot in the rankings. But it had its own problems with COVID and couldn't play. Like there's just a, This was a year where, where bad luck enters the equation to some extent. There are some ways that you can fix it, such as what the Big Ten did with changing the, the requirements rule that I think made a lot of common sense there are other things that just can't be fixed though this is one of those things right so there's like honestly three separate things had to happen to screw them and all three happened but the idea that like the big 10 i don't know exactly what they're saying like the big Ten's trying to hold them down because the big 10 doesn't want indiana to be good at football i, I don't know what they mean by that if that, that is making sense to me if that is related to that northwestern got to go to the citrus bowl instead of indiana if Indiana wasn't good at football, if Indiana wasn't good at football right now, if Indiana had been a winless team this year, would Ohio State be in the playoff? Yes, they would. I think it, it might still... be close. I mean, that's that they'd have one win and it would be over Northwestern. I mean, but somebody has to be good. I mean, it's like, okay, so Indiana's not good. Well, then who's like, I mean, not everybody in the East can lose every single game. So I know what you're saying, but I don't know that that was the, the deciding factor. They're third. I'm just I mean, saying Texas that... A&M didn't beat anybody either. The Big Ten should be somewhat grateful that Indiana was as good as it was this year, is the way I guess I'm saying it. But in a conference, somebody has to be good. Not everybody can be bad. Well, somebody has bad. to have a record. They don't necessarily have to be good. Well, you just said you're not sure Indiana's good. They haven't beaten anybody. So are, is Indiana well, good or do they have a record? No, no, no. I'm saying, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the one that voted them sixth. I'm just saying that I'm, I see the opposite side of that argument. And, I th- and that's what happens in that room. I think they've stacked up who they had actually beaten, and they couldn't find anybody. And I don't know the specifics of, I mean, if their complaint, I, we're just talking in circles. It's like, okay, they think the Big Ten's out to get them because the playoff committee didn't vote them high enough because the structure of the bowl system and the coincidence of who, which bowl was a semifinal this year, the fact that they had two games canceled at the end of the year that was out of their hands but isn't a conspiracy, and that Northwestern, which did make the Big Ten championship game and also played Ohio State close just like Indiana did. And by the way, Northwestern did not trail Ohio State 35-7 to like Indiana did. So, you know, yeah. I get it. Hot take, Northwestern had a better loss to Ohio State than Indiana did. I don't so, think that's even that hot of a take. Like that's, it's, it's, they led the game into the second half. But it's not like the Big Ten is putting Penn State or Michigan or a traditional power in the Citrus Bowl instead of Indiana. It's Northwestern. Right. North, no Northwestern fans are going to go to that bowl. I mean, I don't – so I just I, – I would be like, what are, you, what are you actually complaining about except I know what they're complaining about. They're just complaining that it's not fair. We had a good year, and it's not fair. And, and I agree, it's not fair. But what would you, honey, what would you like us to do, though? I don't know what I want you to do. I yeah, just want to sit on the couch and pound a pillow. That's more – I'm not going to attribute that to my spouse. I think that might be coming more from kids. That's like more of like I think – I've been thinking a lot lately about how much of a miserable little turd I was when I was a kid and how horrible it must have been to have been my 
parents. Um, and I think that's probably like true across the board because you're just so irrational. And sometimes you just, you, you just want what you want and you're, you, you demand things, whether they have any. So I think <clears throat> what you're describing, I think is more along those lines. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's what else isn't fair. Let's take a quick break, but I know you've got more to say on this. We're going to continue this conversation after the break here on the Monday Madness edition of Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk. I think that wraps up the Indiana conversation. Well, I guess what, what do you want to talk about more just, I guess, in the underlying structure of this and what needs to change? Is it is it that that we're picking teams the wrong way? that we're need to expand the playoff, which myself and other people have been fans of for a while. Like, what do you, I guess if, if there is going to be a, a change, what change gets us to what people want and what is it that people actually want? So the thing that I don't like is people complaining that it's the same teams every year. That's part of a complaint that I've seen. And it has been, I mean, that's, that's factual Clemson and Alabama. We are now in year seven have made it six out of seven years. Ohio State has now made it four out of seven years. I think Oklahoma has also made it four out of seven years. So it's And Notre Dame, I think, has made it twice now. So it's been dominated by the same teams. And I guess, I, I mean, I, I was going to say, I guess I understand being frustrated at that. I don't know. Are people mad when the Patriots make the playoffs all the time? That's my part of my thing well, is like, what are you mad about? Are you mad that it's the same teams? Okay, so you're, if you are mad that it's the same teams every year, do you think the wrong teams are being picked? Is that That's, what you really think that like Clemson shouldn't make it this year? What is your actual argument that the wrong teams are being picked or that like, I, I, like, I don't, is, is that the argument or that four teams isn't enough? So we've got to go to eight because the same teams are being picked. Okay. I, what what are you actually complaining about? That Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State are good all the time? Like I don't. What's your actual complaint? And what is your actual suggestion about what should be done about Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama being good all the time? At no point in college football history has there not been what we have right now. It's not always the same four, five, six teams, but it's always a cluster of teams that are the best teams demonstrably on the field over a period of time. It's not like if, if it'd be one thing if like they had scrapped the BCS back when, you know, <laughs> everybody's like, oh, remember back in 97 when Boston College played New Mexico State for the national championship because the, the computer formula figured out those were the two best teams. It's the same. It's always like the very best teams in the country that get that go off and play for the national championship. And I, I that's my, I guess, again, my thing, it, I don't know where you're looking right now that doesn't get you the same four teams based on if you want to do it the way the college football playoff does it, which is where you're looking specifically at who they've beaten and that underlying performance. If you go to like a computer ranking model, I wrote about this last week that that you get the same four teams. Like they picked the four teams. There's a, there's a, there's a site that like tracks using the old BCS formula and doing the college football playoff rankings by the old BCS formula, the BCS, uh, the college football playoff has picked the same teams that the BCS would have picked every single year. And, and so and here's the thing. If Texas A&M had beaten Alabama this year, it wouldn't have been the same four teams. If Indiana had beaten Ohio State, it wouldn't have been the same four teams. If Notre Dame had beaten Clemson in the ACC championship game, Clemson would not have been in. Guess what? Last year when Alabama didn't make it, you know why they didn't make it? Because somebody better beat them on the field and made it over them. 
and Alabama didn't make it. So I don't know. I mean, I read a thing that was like, it's the same teams all the time. I swear, I have no idea what you're arguing. People love to talk about dynasties after the fact. I don't know, in college basketball, I don't know. In the John Wooden years where people like, oh, UCLA, we got to change the system, got to change the NCAA tournament. It's UCLA every year. Like, after the fact, I wasn't alive then. After the fact, it's like, wow, the Wooden dynasty. Were people complaining about it while it happened? I don't know. It's like Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. It's like, well, okay, what do you – I don't understand what your complaint is. If the issue is let's get to eight because these same teams suck up the spots, okay, as I've said before, I think that's a reasonable argument for eight. But don't bring your complaints about boring. Beat them on the field, man. Beat them on the freaking field. And if it's only an argument about Cincinnati, Notre Dame at four, I get it. Okay, fine. Have the argument. I get it. But I just, we, we don't have, to, I don't want to relive that. We've stated, I, I don't, the power five thing, non-power five thing, whatever. But the boredom argument, like, this, like the same dumb argument, I have no idea what your argument is. Make an actual argument other than Clemson and Alabama are too good. Beat them on the field, man. I saw a tweet. I think this might have been from Bill Connolly, who's the one who does the the SP plus formula if people follow the metrics out there. And I, I generally respect what he writes about. And I, I so maybe I should I, I'm pretty sure this was him though. He was pointing out that like the only way a group of five team is gonna get in is if you were to go like eleven and one or or whatever one year and then lead into another year where you happen to be playing a good power five that next year and then go like 12 and one or whatever that year or undefeated. And that's how a, a team is. That's how a group of five teams is going to get into the top four playoff. And my thought was, Oh, you mean like the four teams that get into the playoff every year? That's exactly what they do, except they do it against the schedule. That's all power five team. Well, not, I mean, their non-conference isn't always, but the bulk of it is they're not just looking for one power five team to play. They usually have to play multiple good power five teams to get that 11 and one record that, that, gets them anointed into the playoff over the, the team that plays hardly anybody. I don't understand. That's what I get. Like you, that really crystallized it for me. It's like, Oh yeah, you're asking them to be still even not as good as the teams that are going to get in really. Cause that record doesn't really, the, that, that's where performance comes into play. And I think, you know, I said this when we were talking about Cincinnati previously, first of all, they hadn't played in a month, but then they go in, you said it yesterday, they go in to beat Tulsa by a field goal. Like how much is that supposed to catapult them up the rankings really? Um, I, I 100% agree, and I don't want to talk about the Power 5 stuff anymore because we agree, and if you're gonna, just going to be an underdog backer for the sake of, like, five, I mean, it's, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. Here's the thing that I think is interesting. The people that are arguing are, do the complaints matter? By the end of the BCS, people were writing books called Death to the BCS. The BCS was like three, it was like, it was like a, everybody hated that acronym. It's like, ugh, the BCS. I wonder if we're getting that to that point with the committee. Oh, the playoff committee. Oh, God, the playoff committee. They had, they had Cincinnati eighth. Oh, God, the playoff committee. They, had, they moved Oklahoma up to sixth, even though they lost two games. Oh, the stupid playoff committee. That's what I'm curious about. And then do you – okay, now we got to find something else. Because, like, you know, our friend Kyle Rowland from the Toledo Blade, you know, tweeted the other day of, like, the only thing better about the current system is that it's four instead of two. Nothing about the committee is better – than the old computer formula. Well, so, again, they're coming up with the same teams. 
Right. So, <laughs> so it's but, the same because so, they're, so using know... they're using that computer data. They're, that's, that's part of what they're doing. That right. that data refle is reflected directly in the teams that you see them rank. And so I just, I don't know, like, so then what changes? Okay. Well, what changes? I mean, the biggest change, I agree, but I also disagree because coaches are dumb. The old BCS used dumb coaches votes. It was partial. It was one third computers and it was dumb coaches and dumb what was it? Dumb Harris poll people. The Harris poll people. My God, they were pulling people out of the gutter and telling them to be a Harris poll voter. That was a joke. And there were some media members. Joke. That was embarrassing. That was two groups of humans who were uneducated doofuses. At least these, you can disagree with the committee, but at least they're putting time in. And at least they're having a discussion, not a blind ballot in your basement. Oh, because I forgot to vote in the Harris poll. So I mean, like the idea that, yes, the biggest change is two to four, but also the humans are more educated. So, but if the humans and the computers are coming up with the same thing, and the same thing is Cincinnati's not in the top four, I just don't know what you want anybody to do, except go to eight. The answer is go to eight. Okay, maybe it's time to go to eight. Maybe the dispute about is eight better than four is over. Of course, eight is better than four for myriad reasons that we have discussed here. But in the meantime, if you're mad because you're sick of Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State being good, I mean, that is not a grown-up argument. Have but a grown-up discussion. There's going to be – okay, so let's say they go to eight. And eight, the, 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 the biggest advantage to eight that I can see is that you get to put a structure to it that defines what it means to get into the playoff to some extent. More so than just being in the top four of the rankings. You can say, you can open it to be every Power Five champion plus the highest ranked group of five plus two at-large or whatever. You could say that that's the playoff. Of course, that's the playoff, right. So, but there's still going to be complaints. After the, after the group of five champion has only been the eight seed for like six years, people are going to say, well, what's it going to take to get the, the group of five teams to be more... Uh, better uh, accurately ranked. There's going to be arguments about that. I mean, there's, there's always going to be arguments about something. But I've always argued that at least eight gives you – it does open it up to more people, and it maybe does – what you mentioned before about the chicken before the egg of the, the power structure a little bit, um, that I think does open it up. When you give more teams a chance to legitimately be involved in a, 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 a championship conversation, does it help the sport across the board? Right, which is fine. So it's just a conversation about eight then. I just, what, what's the better, I don't know. What's the better solution? I Change the makeup of the committee to some degree. I get that. I mean, you could change the makeup a little bit. I think Urban Meyer would be a great committee member, for instance. But they also, they already have former coaches on there. I'd put an odds maker. I'd put an analytics person. I would put more recent former coaches than the RC Slocums of the world who have been on there. I'd put whatever, I don't know, current announcers or something. I'd put people who study national college football right now, maybe for other reasons, but they might not have time to do it. But Urban Meyer also was like all jacked up about how good BYU was in the last coast Carolina. So it's like, I'm not saying that Urban Meyer doesn't, isn't a great analyst of football. He is, he'd be a great committee member. He like thought BYU was underranked by the committee and then BYU lost to freaking coastal Carolina. So it's like who nobody's perfect. Right. So I just, well, that's why it doesn't, it doesn't come down to any one person. That's why, that's why right. you, have a, you have to come up with a consensus from a group. And I do think that, well, I just think, I think possibly we're closer to moving towards eight because people are complaining. But while you are complaining, please make a nuanced, logical argument, which is my only argument of anything, is be logical 
and don't only be whiny, but the whining at some point does pile up. If eight seems like the logical conclusion, should they go to six first? Should they go to six to get like, and then it's just the five conference champs and the non-power five team? Or even if you pick it the same way and still get in that, that fifth and sixth team, that gives, it opens it up just a little bit more that if, you know, in this, a year like this, if Cincinnati had one more win or had beaten Tulsa more convincingly, maybe they get that sixth spot. I don't know. But, you know, give the top two teams buys and play two quarterfinal games. I don't know. I'm I mean, usually, I, I'm me usually a fan of, like, making, like, incremental progress. Don't jump all the way to eight if you could do six and see if that addresses some of the problems. But I, but I also think – I think you're right that if, um, if you don't put the structure of eight towards what would be going on at six, you're not answering these questions that we've been bringing up, the, the, the angst that people have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, because if, I mean, if you did it this year, so then you get Texas A&M and Oklahoma in. <laughs> like, if, is, that, right. is that what anybody thinks? Like, oh, we got to – so now you're playing Ohio State, Oklahoma in a quarterfinal and Notre Dame, Texas A&M in a quarterfinal before you get to Alabama and Clemson. But you're still not getting – the non-power five in, right? I mean, you're still not getting Cincinnati in the way this voting goes. And actually, frankly, but if you made it, I don't know, if you made it the power five champs, Oregon would be in as a 25th best team in the country if you're giving conference champs a prep. So I think there's enough complaints that it, it'll, we'll get to eight. We're on the path to eight and the complaints are part of it. You know who would be livid if they had gone to a 16 playoff this year, this morning? Ohio State fans you have to face the like hottest team in the country right now in some ways in Oklahoma and you'd have and then, then that as the three seed and then have to go on and then play Clemson or, or whoever yeah Clemson and then play potentially Alabama you'd have to win those three games to win a national championship it would be like the hardest path to a national championship in history also Oklahoma lost twice I don't know how good's Oklahoma but that's part of it to me is like if we're say right now where... they've been playing better in the second half but they, they, have, they have zero claim to a national title. Screw them. Don't lose your first two games. Don't work it out. You don't work it out in college football. You come out firing, man, because every game matters. So, like, that's the worst-case scenario to me. A world where, like, you don't get Cincinnati in and you don't have every Power 5 conference champ in, but you get Oklahoma in because they have two losses. Like, but, or you know, I, who cares? I mean, I know they're a conference champ, but, like, they don't deserve – I mean, in the other system, they're the Big 12 champs, so they get a chance. But, like, I'm not fired up that Oklahoma doesn't have a chance to win the national title. Is anyone actually mad about that? I don't know. Nobody should be mad about that. Cincinnati, at least you have a reason to be mad. Maybe. Oklahoma, you lost. You blew it, man. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, if anything, people are, are the opposite. People are like, why is Oklahoma all the way up at six when these other teams have accomplished similar things or more and, and are, are getting left out? Um, let's do ballot boxing here. We, we always have the categories on Monday Madness. This feels like a good place to do before we take another break. This is where Doug gets to take shots at me for my AP poll, my final AP poll, or at least my final one of before they have a national championship. Um, have at it. I don't care. I didn't look at it. It doesn't matter. The AP, the AP voting is officially irrelevant. The playoff committee spoke. And the only thing that other thing that matters is that Clemson's coach ranked Ohio state 11th. So pass no offense no 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 you're fine and i i you your your interest level is not that much lower than mine was frankly i had too many other things to worry about the, that night and that morning um for people a little bit behind the scenes it's not that we don't 
pay attention to what we're doing. But I used to – people would get on Twitter at me and be like, what do you mean you don't watch every game? <laughs> Are you insane? <laughs> Let me show you my schedule from, like, uh, Friday morning to, to Sunday morning, and, and uh, you'll see why I don't watch all the games. Um, the, the one controversial – I don't know, controversial. I had Indiana really high. I had them sixth. And I, I think that's defensible. Even though you just said on this podcast, they did not beat anybody. That phrase came out of your mouth about a team that you ranked sixth. Well, there are many, there are many years, though, where, you know, for instance, Clemson doesn't beat anybody. And they're still obviously one of the four, three, two best teams in the country, sometimes number one. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think the reason, the difference there is that Clemson goes out and just really takes it to people in those seasons by and large. And uh, Indiana, that's maybe what I think makes it a, a why I think someone might quibble with me putting them at high. And I still think it's defensible because I think they played well on both sides of the ball. They won every game they were supposed to win, except the Ohio state game, which they weren't supposed to win. They only lost by a touchdown. So I think it's defensible to put them there relative to what everybody else has done, but it's a more modest way of winning games. And that's usually how, if you're going to be like six and one, maybe I could argue, I'm making your argument for me. because I'm arguing against myself. You are. I know you don't I have still, an argument. I still have not heard the part where you get to why you rank them sixth. Like I said, because I think the performance has been there on both sides of the ball. I mean, they when they needed a really strong offense against Ohio State, it was there. And to some extent, their defense, even in a game where they gave up 42 points. And the defensive performance, I think, was there all along. I mean, I think in, in every Big Ten game, you know, they were that, – that defense was the foundation of what they were able to do this year. I thought I, – I put more value also in the Wisconsin win, I, at least at the time that they got it, going on the road and beating that team. Um, that ended up not being that good of a team. Like I said, they haven't beaten the team with the winning record since September 2018. But it's also when you start comparing them around them, like why should Iowa State be higher than Indiana? I didn't have a, a, a great answer for that when you actually compare the underlying performance. So I leaned on – probably leaned on the team that I had actually seen more in person but also and, and on and in games I'd watched. Um, but then also uh, leaning on just, I guess, the accomplishment and um, the fact, again, that that team did go on the road and beat other teams I think were solid. Um, that's that was argument. way too much. This has been way too much Indiana talk for this podcast. Nobody cares. <laughs> frankly, nobody cares. You had Texas A&M fifth ahead of them, though? Is I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Good luck, Indiana. Good luck next year. Yeah. I think they will be pretty good next year. Um, we're going to take a break there. We're going to come back and wrap things up on the Monday Madness edition of Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk. Uh, we're going to run through some more of our categories, our weekly categories uh, that kind of uh, help us kind of galvanize and, uh, and figure out what's going on this week. Uh, margin call. This is who in who or what in college football are we buying or selling this week? Uh, who are you going after, Doug? I'm selling Dabo Sweeney. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it's like we're, we're so focused on this stuff now. I, I like the categories. I mean, uh, Nothing else matters. I, I just like, I, honestly, I'm selling bowl season. This whole thing of like, I can't believe they're playing any other bowls. Other, the New Year's Six I get. Like so many teams have opted out. Penn State opted out. Nebraska opted out of playing. Because first of all, you don't have to have a winning record to go to a bowl. Anybody can go. They'll take anybody. And nobody, USC opted out. Washington opted out. Utah opted out. Nobody wants to go. So, but I don't, I have no idea. Why are they playing any of them? I guess because it's TV, it's TV content and people will watch it, but I would opt out too. I mean, just go home and see your families. I, I don't, and then people like people are complaining. 
I know it's, it's marginal money. It's just TV. It's only it's TV content. They should just set up a stage and just run the teams through and have them all play. The idea of like, why are you going to a city? Like, why are you going to, why would a team in, you know, New York and a team in North Carolina go to Arizona for a bowl or something? It's like, it's insane to me. So that no, like barely any fans can show up for, and the players can't go do anything. It's, it's crazy. I, th- I, I was wondering this whole time. I was like, are they having bowls? This whole season, I didn't know. Are they having bowls? And apparently they are. And some of them are getting canceled. The guaranteed rate bowl got canceled. I'm selling all of bowl season. I just, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have had a college football season. I'm just saying we shouldn't have a bowl season. This is not a time for playing meaningless games that nobody cares about. And everybody that opted out, like, I totally get it. Yeah, you, you picked almost exactly what I picked. Mine was going to be more just like this this idea of like the sanctity and the tradition of the Bulls. Um, so, so, so many of these games don't matter. And I know that that sounds like usually I'm the guy who's speaking up on behalf of the little guy somewhat because I'm new to the, the Ohio State behemoth here. Um, but even when I was covering a, a lower division uh, Big Ten team, going to the heart of Dallas Bowl, going to the Foster Farms Bowl. Most people probably don't even know where that was because it's not even called that anymore. Um, uh, it's, it's, it felt like a waste of time. The games weren't important. The outcomes didn't mean anything. Um, it, it was good for those programs to get an extra month of practice or whatever, but it, it had no real repercussions in college football other than to potentially help a coach maybe keep their job for an extra year because they got a team to a bowl game by going 6-6 six and six and then losing it to another terrible team. And then, um, and then the money. So uh, uh, this is where I'm, I guess where, where I'm jaded. Uh, speaking of the other Big Ten fans being jaded about other things, but I've always been jaded about the Bulls. I've always thought, and, and when I've when people have talked about like we need to expand the playoff structure, people are like, well, what about the Bulls? And I'm like, who cares about the Bulls? Like there's a small pocket of Bulls that matter. Most of them don't. It's been a and 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 people who, who worry about the tradition of college football. Um, the tradition of college football has been that the Bulls were always stupid, most of them. I mean, to be so clear, the, the, people, the people who run the Bulls can cram it up their cram holes. If teams that had a pretty good year want to go on vacation in the winter to somewhere warm and have their fans have a nice little vacation and play a fun game, I'm here for it. The Bulls themselves, who send the guys in their freaking little colored blazers because they have to go scout a team. It's a boondoggle. The Bulls act like they're charities and stuff. The Bulls are out for themselves. They suck up money. It's a freaking boondoggle. All of that, the Bulls can cram it, collectively cram it up their bowl holes. If a team that went 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four would like to go to Nashville in December and play another game, and their fans think it's cool, great. I think that the, that existing on some level is wonderful, uh, you know, but the dingalings in charge are, are stealing money. I remember some, uh, a friend of mine who, who actually went to West Point, actually, to, to tie into the, the Army thing where they got job, jobbed out of their bowl. His family, uh, we grew up in Central Illinois, his family went to the Southwest for like Christmas vacation and they went to Illinois' bowl game, which I think was against UCLA and Arizona. And I think the final score was like, three nothing ucla or something like that like these games have just been whatever i think you're right i think for fans and whatever the vacation can be fun but um stop pretending like they're like integral to the the um concept of college football correct 
story of the week. What's the storyline that we're watching for the next Ohio State game? Uh, for me, it's just it's sort of like this team having to kind of quickly find some cohesiveness, quickly find its rhythm again. You know, Ryan Day's been talking about it's going to take their best game to beat Clemson. I think we talked about this the other day too. And uh, they haven't played that game yet, and they've got a, a short window to find it. And they've got um, obviously some roster uh, problems that they have that, that makes that difficult. So it's about how quickly do they get guys back? How quickly do they get to kind of um, insert themselves back into the preparations? And then how, what, what kind of rhythm and what kind of, uh, can this team really be clicking by January 1st again when it gets on the field against by far the best team it's played this season? Yeah, I mean, there's the issue of can they be at their best? But to me, it's the issue is, is their best going to be enough? And particularly defensively, I mean, this defensive line that got close to Michael Penix but didn't do enough against Michael Penix the secondary that has been questionable at times um, going against Trevor Lawrence is just like, okay, Ohio State has seen Trevor Lawrence before. They have seen this Clemson offense before. And, yes, there's no T. Higgins for Clemson, but Trevor Lawrence is still there. Travis Etienne is still there. There's no Justin Ross. We get their receivers aren't as great. But there's no Chase Young. There's no Jeff Okuda. There's no Damon Arnett. There's no Jordan Fuller. There's no Davon Hamilton. Like, this Ohio State defense – that you have been on from the start about like, is it good enough? That is still the question. That is still the question. And it is just a reminder of everybody knows it. The 2020 Buckeyes are not as good as the 2019 Buckeyes, but that's not the question. They're not playing themselves from a year ago, but everything that Chase Young and Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett and Jordan Fuller and Davon Hamilton did to Clemson, man, I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it. And if they can't, yeah, it was already like a game they, they lost. <laughs> I mean, that, still but, they, but they didn't lose it because of the defense. I right, mean, like right, they right. shut them down early and they popped a couple of things late uh, as we, everybody lived through. And it and was good enough to win. They just didn't. The defense played absolutely against that Clemson offense. That defense put up an effort that was good enough. I, I just, I wonder if they're capable of putting up an effort that's good enough. And again, maybe the Ohio state offense will hang up some more and do whatever and, Maybe it's a game in the 40s, but, man, will they stop Trevor Lawrence, like, at all is my big question. That leads into walk the line because Las Vegas doesn't think, uh, right now at least, Ohio State is going to, to challenge Clemson that closely. Uh, the, the opening line, I saw it from different sources. I was seeing early lines of, like, eight and six and a half. Right now, the Vegas insider average is the consensus is seven and a half in favor of Clemson. Uh, by comparison, at kickoff last year, it was two and a half. In 2016, it was one and a half. So Clemson's been favored in both those previous, but it was almost a, a toss-up in both those cases. And I think we sort of thought it might be that way here, except I think the, I think Ohio State's roster situation is affecting this line. I think Clemson would, Clemson would still be favored, and it would probably be more than two and a half, but I, the fact that it's all the way up this high, I think says something about not just the way that Ohio State maybe finished the year in such an uneven fashion, not being able to play very much, that sort of thing, but then also just not knowing exactly who's going to be on the field for them. But we know. I think they know. If we know Chris Olave is going to play, Vegas knows Chris Olave is going to play. This is a Saturday line to me. Ohio State didn't look good, and Clemson looked good. I don't know. Like, how could you walk away from Saturday and not have Clemson as a touchdown favorite? I wouldn't have said Clemson was a touchdown favorite on Friday. After Saturday, I mean, you said you think – I think this is a decent amount of respect. I think this line could be 11, and I'm not sure you could argue against it. Did we watch both those teams? And I get it. Chris Olave didn't play, and he is going to play if, I, if everything stays on track in the next game. But, man, only seven and a half points given the way things looked on Saturday. And I get it. Trey Sermon, the defense, yes, there were good things for Ohio State. 
But I think, I think this is a Saturday result line. I think this line moved four or five points based on how everybody looks Saturday for whatever reason. Yeah, and I was thinking more like like four and a half. That's where I was kind of expecting it to come in. Four and a half, five, somewhere in that that window. I mean, Clemson covered four and a half last year in a game that Ohio State dominated, right? I mean, what was it, 29-23? Is that what the score last year? Yeah. What was the score? Six points? So, I mean, like, I mean, seven and a half points, I don't know. That's a kind of a close game. That's a good game. So, I don't know. What's the Notre Dame-Alabama line, by the way? I'm going to guess that line is 14 and a half. Oh, no, 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 no. 20? Um, yeah, it opened at 20, I think. Let me double check what the most recent line is. 19 and a half. Okay. That's a lack of respect. So that's, you know, I'm not saying that that's what this Ohio State line should be, but that this is a touchdown doesn't surprise me at all. So Circa actually opened at 19 with him. It's at 19 and a half by the consensus now. So um, that one actually was one that surprised me even a little bit more, although I think I might take Alabama right now and give those points. Yeah. They're rolling pretty good. Uh, Doug, can you kind of remind people again what the pod structures can be this week? Cause it does get a little bit changed because of the holiday that's coming up. So we're going to have a Tuesday pod that I think will be based a lot off the Heisman. And we'll have that discussion. We will have a Wednesday pod where we will attempt to get a Clemson beat writer on and start digging in on this game a little bit. And the Thursday pod will be the big pod, the two-hour pod, and it will be led by looking back at our Market Down Monday predictions from before this season and where we were right, where we were wrong. And by we, I mean the three of us and what the texters were telling us. So we will relive who marked it down correctly and who didn't. And then there will not be a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday pod. So that'll give you everybody some time to sort of chill out a little bit. Um, Christmas, two days after, and we'll start coming back. Then we'll have a, another version of the, the madness pod for Monday. And then next, then next week there's when we start, we'll have it's, it's zoom interviews there are not live interviews on site. There's Zoom interviews. So um, there will be a day, I think Monday and Tuesday are, are one day, well, Clemson offense, Ohio State defense, then you flip on the other day. And then the day before the game, we have the coaches' news conference is how it always goes. And then on Friday, next January 1st, on Friday is the game. So, uh, But for Christmas week, our pod structure is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then a three-day break. And we don't have a lot of interaction with Ohio State this week. We may talk to Ryan Day this week. We don't think we're going to do player interviews this week. That's kind of up in the air, but it doesn't sound likely. So um, it's why we're going to kind of go in a different direction. We'll start giving you a lot more updates and things about the game next week, but the, a lot of other topics this week. So I'm Nathan Baird. He's Doug Lane Reese. Thanks for joining us again. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>